cliffcentral.com. All right, let's talk to Dr. Rob Daniel. I'm very excited to speak to him. He's the Chief Specialist Ophthalmologist at the Santon Eye Clinic. Hey, Dr. Rob, how are you? I'm good. How are you? It's nice to see you. So I've, I've wanted to have someone who, who does what you do on the show for the longest time. And you're the guy that we, we really want to talk to because we've actually got someone who we work with who's been to you recently. Um, and there's so much about the eye that people are interested in. We've, you know, we've come up with questions already before we, we, we got you on. And C and I were talking about how it freaks us out when we see like needles going into eyes and things. And the eye is such a sensitive piece of anatomy. I mean, you know, there are people who still, it, it, it eludes and evades even the most brilliant of evolutionary scientists to explain things like the eye because it's just an incredible piece of technology. Um, you know, natural technology, obviously. But how did you get into this before we even get into the eye and the problems around the eye and the things that you want to talk about? How did you get into to, to being an ophthalmologist? Well, I started off my career as a, an anesthetist, and then I did trauma surgery. And then between those two, I saw that ophthalmologist patients loved them. <laughs> so I decided to change. <laughs> And then I, I just locked into it. Uh, it's absolutely fascinating. The eye is actually an extension of the brain. So a lot of the tissues in the eye are, if you look embryologically, mm-hmm. it actually pockets out from the brain. So, so that uh, saying that the eye is the window to the soul is actually quite true because um, the, the eye is connected to all three levels of your brain directly. And it is, in fact, like I said, part of the brain. So it really is um, the most sensitive tissue, the almost sensitive organ. The tissues in the eye have the most nerve endings of any tissue in the body by a long way. Um, and 80%, 80% of the information coming into your brain comes through your eyes. So we visual um, creatures and our eyes are easily the most valuable sense we have. It's amazing. Um, you know, I often think, and, and it's a game that I play sometimes, you know, when, when I'm with friends, it's like, if you had to choose, uh, you know, gun to your head, would you rather be blind or deaf? It's a horrible thing to ask people, but it's also it tells you a little bit about them. Just about everyone would, would rather go deaf than be blind because so much of, as you say, the information that we, we get about the world around us is through our eyes. And there's nothing worse than knowing that your eyesight's fading and it happens as a, as a natural result of aging, you know, your eyes just, they deteriorate over time. And even people with brilliant 2020 vision won't have that vision forever. Or are there cases where people have maintained brilliant eyesight into, well into old age? So the most common cause of eyesight deterioration with age is cataracts. And okay. uh, it's the most common affliction of humankind. And it's directly correlated with age. But thankfully, it's the most effective treatment we have. So cataracts are eminently fixable, and it's one of the few things in life that are permanent. So when you have a cataract operation that lasts you, I always say, to the pearly gates, you know, for the rest of your life. But um, So that's, by and large, the the most significant age-related problem and the most common problem. Thankfully, we can fix what, so what, the what, others what is, sorry, so just, just quickly, what is a cataract and, and what part of the eye does it affect and, and how, what's the treatment? 
So a lot of people have a misconception that a cataract is a film growing across the eye, and that's actually not true. That's a pterygium, which is sun damage. What a cataract is, is behind your pupil, so the colored part of your eye, which dilates and constricts in the light, um, behind that is a natural lens, and that natural lens is clear when you're born. Mm -hmm. And as you get older, it becomes frosted. So think of the bottom window pane. Mm -hmm. It doesn't allow the transmission of light. So as you get older, the lens behind the pupil becomes frosted like the bottom window. That is what a cataract is. So how do you, how do you treat that? How do we clear the lens? How do we make it less opaque? So we can't make it less opaque, but what we do is we remove the cloudy lens <clears throat> and then we insert an artificial lens. And that's an amazing thing because... Any glasses requirements you have, be they for distance, middle, or near, we incorporate those requirements into that artificial lens, which um, <clears throat> typically if you have what we call premium cataract surgery, you will not require glasses afterwards at all, which is it's really it's a amazing. wonderful thing. And that lens has a minimum 60-year lifespan. Please God, that's not enough, but typically that yeah. lasts you for the rest of your life. That's phenomenal. You were, you were about to tell us what the uh, after cataracts, what the next biggest uh, problem is that most people come to you with. So, so certainly in Africa, uh, glaucoma is the next biggest problem, and that's an insidious, painless, symptomless uh, thief of vision, which uh, causes tunnel vision and then eventually uh, blindness. So, hmm. glaucoma is quite dangerous because you don't know you have it. And about 9% of people in Africa have it, and you must be checked for it. So you need to go for your eye checks. They need to check the nerve at the back of your eye and the pressure of the eye. That's quite dangerous. Pardon, doctor, what's that percentage? Nine. Nine, zero, nine. Okay. See, see. So it's, it's high. I mean, it's almost one in 10 people. Mm. So if uh, no, no one walks through my office without being checked for glaucoma, that you know, we take it very seriously because you literally, if you walk in in, in the shopping centre and you look at a hundred people, ten of them have glaucoma, or nine of them, for, you know. Do more do we need to do we need to be doing things every day to look after our eyes better? You mentioned how you know the sun can can do some damage to our eyes, and and we work with these screens the whole time. You know, everybody's on their phones or on a laptop, and the, we've got lights on us all the time, and you know, there's there's so much stuff that. When we, I suppose, a hundred, two hundred years ago, when the sun went down, the only thing you had was was like candlelight, which is sort of mottled. It's you know, it's not a it's not a, a bright light in your eyes. And now we, you know, we have light coming into our eyes virtually all the time. Most people wake up, the first thing they do is they look at their screen. Is that affecting us? Absolutely. So, oh yeah, uh, the first thing is we we're not designed to look close by all day long. So if you look. Everyone's working from home now. As we are, we're all sitting looking at a laptop, a laptop screen. And before, we would have been talking across a table, um, you know, with each other. So <clears throat> this close vision uh, puts a lot of strain on our eyes. So my first um, bit of advice is take breaks and look far. And, you know, in the office, you would be having meetings. You'd be going to the water fountain and uh, moving around a little, whereas now at home you literally have your your entire uh, day set at this at this close range with the screen. So take breaks and um, 
make sure that you adjust the range of your vision. The second thing is that you may, uh, you know, on that point, you may want to get yourself a pair of um, relaxing glasses, just a small plus addition with a, a bit of a, a blue blocker or what we call an anti-reflex coating just to take off the harsh light mm-hmm. and um, and relax the eye a little bit. So when we talk about the, the harsh light, uh, these screens are all predominantly LEDs, which push out mainly blue light, and right. blue light can be quite harmful to the retina. So uh, it harms you in two ways. One, it's it's very harsh to the macular pigments, right. and that can cause a condition called age-related macular degeneration later on in 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 your sort of post 55-60 year age group. Um, so it's very important. And equally, when you're outside, protect your eyes with sunglasses. Um, the other thing that the screens do is if you work with them late into the night, the blue light pre- prevents you from producing melatonin mm-hmm. uh, for at least two hours. So that can delay your sleep patterns. So by and large, uh, you know, the, the life we lead with all this technology around us all the time is uh, it does affect us in, in quite a few ways. With our eyes. So my suggestion is if you can't, uh, you, you need to sort of set up your life that you're not on the screen all day long. Mm-hmm. Maybe get a relaxing lens to relax the focusing mechanism in your eye. Cut off the harshest blue lights during the day. Try and not use screens for two hours before you go to sleep. If you can't, then use a uh, an orange lens which blocks that light. Uh, for the last two hours before you go to sleep. And then, you know, try and and not get uh, sunk into those YouTube rabbit holes just before you try and <laughs> oh, go to sleep. Yeah, no, that's, especially oh, especially no. the depressing ones that Sia gets into, watching old people reunited with their grandchildren. I mean, can you imagine anything worse exactly, for like hours yeah. on a Saturday? So, exactly. Uh, so, Dr. Rob, there's lots of stuff that I that I want to ask you about uh, in terms of, of, of the, the medical aspect of this and what, you know, what happens with people's eyes with macular degeneration and what makes the eye work and kind of how the, the rods and cones work and all that stuff. But before we get into any of that, COVID has come along and it's changed a lot. And there are probably people who um, who haven't been able to go to the ophthalmologist because they've been afraid or because they've... They've thought that that's not a good place to go if you want to, you know, um, if you want to catch COVID, for example. But how, how has it worked in your mm-hmm. practice and, and what has changed for you in the last year and a bit? So during lockdown, we literally only saw emergencies. Mm. Um, primarily, I uh, most of the work I do is planned and uh, sort of very much we, we line it up. So uh, it's not emergency work. And if, if you needed to, to wait a few months, it would, it would have been safer. Mm-hmm. Once things opened up again, we adjusted and um, made sure that we follow all the protocols to keep everyone safe. Luckily, I've had the vaccine, so um, so that helps uh, a little bit also. Uh, in terms of people coming back, a lot of our uh, folks are in the slightly older age group, so they, they naturally are, are nervous of coming, but most of these people require regular checks and they have problems like we mentioned, glaucoma and age-related macular degeneration. So some of those people had skipped their checkups and we're sort of in a position now where some of those conditions have been neglected. Yeah, so, it's, so that's it's again one worse, of the, right? the costs of COVID. 
where um, you know people haven't been able to come in for their checks and things have perhaps deteriorated without being checked. So um, this disease that really has cost society in many sort of secondary and tertiary ways, which we didn't anticipate. But nonetheless, we we back at work and um, uh, you know we we catching up with all of those things. So tell me quickly, because uh, this is <laughs> this is one of those old wives' tales. But Andre says, do certain vegetables eat you know, that you could eat help your eyes? I mean, are there certain vitamins? Are there certain substances that help the eyes that we need for our eyes to be healthy? Good. Uh, that's a very good question, Andre. So uh, the the, um, the old adage of carrots is not quite true because it's uh, carrots contain. Uh, to uh, uh, contain beta carotene, which is two um, uh, of the, the the vitamin B molecules joined together. And in fact, the most important vegetables for your eyes are, are actually not carrots, mm-hmm. but in fact, uh, maybe oh. Popeye was more accurate with the spinach okay. <clears throat> because uh, the leafy green vegetables, uh, oh. spinach, um, kale. And broccoli, those contain lutein and zeaxanthin, which are the most important pigments for the back of the eye. And then also the, the yellow uh, pigments, things like uh, yellow peppers and egg yolks. Mm. So we now know that that, that is more important, and uh, those are, are very, very important. And then thirdly, omega-3. You can't go wrong by taking omega-3. It's good for the surface of the eye. It's good for brain health, which, as I said, is part of the eye. So I would say that uh, oily fish, uh, if not uh, an omega-3 supplement, and then uh, leafy green vegetables uh, right. combined with some of the orange ones. So not not at all a stupid question. That made a lot of sense then, Andre. Thank you. Wow. Um, and then we've all discovered that our lives have been a lie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when your, mo- when your mother was telling you carrots, carrots, carrots every morning. It's like, no, not really. So... I know that the visual spectrum for humans is is infrared to well we can't even see infrared but just just a little bit in from infrared to ultraviolet mm-hmm. right and between those two posts is where we get to see all the various colors and all the all the spectrums of of light that it is possible for humans to see are there any humans who could see beyond that on either side of the scale is there has there ever been evidence that we that we have the ability to see things outside of the normal human visual spectrum no, the, uh, we we have uh, rods and cones, and then the third um, uh, visual receptor uh, it just picks up blue light. So we don't have the the genetic capability to make the proteins that read light outside of the visual spectrum. But what is interesting is some people process visual information differently, and uh, this is quite interesting because. So, for example, uh, you, you, you can have a cross-wiring where people can hear uh, visual information. So right. when they hear a sound, they will, they will see a color. Um, and uh, sort of on, on a far more common version of this is uh, artists have a very different emotional experience when they look at a picture. Mm-hmm. So this is something we incorporate into our work is if somebody is a visual artist, they interpret the world slightly differently because it's an emotional response as opposed to just pure visual information. 
So if I'm treating an engineer, I know this is quite, you know, it's a, it's a mechanical setup and it's, it's re- very mathematical. Whereas an artist is, is, is that their visual perception elicits emotional response within their wiring. So that's incredibly interesting and, and very wow. important for our work. So we take that into account and make sure that we counsel people how this might change and so on. Oh, so, so that's what you mean when you say that you treat them differently. Cause I was wondering, like, you, you don't actually do anything different surgically, but you would, you would just approach the subject differently with an artist than you would for an engineer. Yes. Yeah, so take, for example, an interior designer. Mm-hmm. Uh, the colors will, will be, uh, so if, if, let's say, for example, a 65 year old interior designer comes in, the cataract has changed that person's color perception. And then we, we counsel them that after the operation, they're going to perceive the true color and that may change some of the choices they've previously made. Hmm. So the most uh, sort of uh, well-known example is the French painter uh, uh, Monet. He, before his cataracts, all his paintings were brown and sort of oranges because the cataract cuts out the blue wavelengths. And then after his cataract, he complained that the world was awash with, with blue. And all his paintings were blues and indigos. Yeah. So we, we counsel people and, and we, we inform them that uh, they're going to be now experiencing the full color spectrum. And that may be quite a surprise. I've had a couple of little Santon um, interior designers who had to go back and change the color spectrum. <laughs> uh, after <laughs> but but they're all very wow. happy because it's like the world has had a wash you know it's like a washing powder ad because all the colors are, are bright and true afterwards what is the thing that has happened recently that that you consider a major breakthrough are there things still going on in eye surgery in the treatment of of people who have you know vision problems are there some new and, and experimental technologies being utilized that you're particularly excited about? Because a doctor like you has to keep ahead of the curve. You have to make sure that you always know what is available, what you can do for your patients. There might be things that they're discovering that we didn't know before. Um, are there things like that that, that that you could tell us about this morning? So, so definitely that's one of the joys of my field. It's because it's so highly technological, hmm. we um, – you know, we're constantly upgrading our technology. So, so we've entered uh, sort of the fourth industrial revolution, and uh, we now have a Swiss robotic laser which performs cataract surgery for us. Um, what that means is I only do about 25% of the operation. Give it a year or two, you won't need me anymore. And uh, <laughs> the, this technology, uh, we, we basically pre-program everything on a touch screen and uh, we connect the robot to your eye and it literally prints out the operation to one micron, which is one one thousandth of a millimeter. So it's humanly impossible to be that accurate. So the safety and the visual results are just astounding. And uh, that's an available technology. There's currently 300 of those robots on the planet. And uh, we're very lucky to have one, and uh, it's it's very exciting to be involved in the forefront and using these new technologies and and seeing such dramatic improvement in results and safety. That is phenomenal, and and I mean, you jokingly wow. say that you you one day you won't need you, but 
I mean, a lot of people are very nervous about going to any doctor, and many people are very squeamish about the eye. You obviously do some of these procedures, if not all of them, in the chair, right? You, you, you basically just, what do you use, like anesthetic drops, and then you just do your thing? No. Uh, when we're working on the surface of the eye, so, for example, laser vision correction, which is uh, uh, another one of the fields we specialize in, that's literally walk in, walk out. We don't even touch you. You, you lie down, takes a minute, the laser does its thing, and you walk out. But when, when we work inside the eye, so the moment we, we go inside the ball of the eye, that's in theater, which, uh, which means it has to be sterile. So we, we do about half, half, uh, uh, half. Thursday is the whole day I'm in theater and Friday is the whole day is uh, the whole day I'm doing lasers. So, um, the moment we penetrate the, the eye itself, you've got to be in a full sterile, uh, environment. Having said that, it's an absolutely painless operation with no stitches. And the very next morning, you could go for a photo shoot. No one would even know you had an operation because the eye is white and beautiful. So I see Sia holding his face. Yeah. Oh. It's the most civilized know. experience you could ever have. Hmm. I don't know why I have this ridiculous assumption that also the eye is like a boiled egg. And one wrong move and it could just pop out. Like I don't oh I don't know why it is so uncomfortable to me, Doctor. So so you you know, because of that very specific link to your brain, many people do have that uh, call it an anxiety where they don't want anybody to come close to their eyes and they are very sensitive. And that's because of the value of the sense. Your visual sense mm-hmm. is so valuable to you. So we know that we appreciate that and we work with that every day. You by no means are unique. Um, a lot of people have that quite understandably. I'm not so, unique? Sorry. No, not in that sense. Hate to break it <laughs> to you, Because it's quite human. Oh. Uh, it's, it's a human reaction. But uh, so, so what, what, what I, uh, I mean to, to communicate to you is that we manage that. Most of our tests don't even come close to you. They're all photographs. So by the time you, oh. you've kind of gone through our system for a few minutes, you quickly relax because you see that we, we, we don't touch your eye and you're quite, you're quite harmless. So it's really quite civilized. And then you, you, you kind of accommodate what we do. Is it true that people who have lighter eyes, in other words, not brown eyes, that they um, are more light sensitive and, uh, and that, or is, is the color of the iris completely unimportant? No, it is true. And uh, someone like myself with blue eyes, uh, so uh, my ancestors were uh, adapted to getting more vitamin D more easily from lower light environments. Mm-hmm. And uh, therefore, I have less pigment in my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and my pupils are bigger to adapt to lower light. So when I come to a, an environment with harsher light, my pupils tend to be bigger and they, my eyes are adapted to a low light environment. So people with darker eyes and equally darker skin, the pupil is smaller and the pigment in the eye protects the eye uh, from the light. So conditions like age-related macular degeneration are far less common in people with some pigment in their skin. Um, so, you know, there are definite changes. It's all to do with the adaptations we've 
we've uh, had over time to to accommodate the amount of light that uh, in the environment we live in. So, um, someone here wants to know, I can't use contact lenses or eye drops, and I battle with the glaucoma test because my eyes are so sensitive. Is that a a, a condition, perhaps? Well, the first thing is the most common reason for not being able to wear contact lenses is an uh, an ocular allergy. So, the surface of of the eye is inflamed. Mm -hmm. So, uh, the the first remedy is to get an over-the-counter antihistamine drop, which you can just pop into the pharmacy and they'll sell it to you over-the-counter. It's perfectly safe. And get going with that. Uh, secondly, uh, don't uh, uh, don't sleep on feather pillows. We we don't like uh, the the protein which the the feather uh, gives off because that can irritate the eye. And then when it comes to the glaucoma test, what's happening is typically uh, optometrists use a what we call a puff tonometer, so it blows a puff into your eye. And uh, because the eye is already sensitive they have that protective reflex mm-hmm. where they're sort of closing the eye in anticipation so they can't perform the test properly, and that's primarily because the eye is already sensitized. So um, mm-hmm. a, a lot of optometrists now have the more modern version of um, of measuring pressure, uh, which it's called an eye care, so it doesn't use a puff and you don't feel it. Um, so look for either an optometrist, you know, who has one of those and, and have that test with them. And then uh, over-the-counter antihistamines are, are very healthy. I tell people, it's a bit like brushing your teeth. You know, we, we keep our teeth healthy. Um, in Johannesburg and uh, many other places in South Africa, the, there's a lot of pollution and dust in the yeah. air. So uh, using an antihistamine over-the-counter, a very safe drop twice a day, morning and evening, while you're on your back, as you wake up, as you go to sleep, it just soothes the eye and protects the eye from long-term damage. Are most of these eye drops just, what, saline solution? Is that mostly what it is? And not the, not the antihistamine ones, but the ordinary eye drops that you would buy? So the most common ones you see are lubricants, and, and they're basically... I call them expensive water. Mm. Uh, they've got some oh, saline. No. And, you know, the, <laughs> don't take me the wrong way. See, uh, I, I mean, they, they, they're completely harmless. They've got some salt and they've got some, you know, hyaluronic acid that just lubricates the eye. But if you're suffering with dry eyes and you're putting in the the, the lubricants all day and they're not working, that could indicate that there's something else wrong. So. So it's it's not going to harm you, but um, to you know a lot of the time uh, you, you will use those drops and not find relief, and uh, you know so rather get a check and make sure that there's something that could be managed and and avoid a, a long term problem rather than sort of banging on with with the lubricant. So the the white of your eyes, I've noticed some people, uh, their eyes are not very bright white. Some people have all kinds of, uh, you know, occlusions for want of a better word in there. And and some of them are sort of yellow or some of them are very uh, bloodshot. What is that all about? What's what's going on there? And can you do something about that? Okay, so there's a few things. The first thing is that in general medicine, if the sclera or the white part is yellow, we call that jaundice. And typically that person is not feeling well and they would need to see a doctor because it might be a liver problem or something like that. But that's very unusual and quite, uh, you know, quite, quite extreme. 
the more common ones are, are either redness or a, a, a yellow or brown discoloration. So the redness, we call a conjunctivitis, mm-hmm. and that's inflammation of the covering of the eye, which is the conjunctiva. Got lots of blood vessels, very sensitive tissue, and even if you get a speck of dust in your eye, it can become red. Interestingly, COVID is one of the uh, causes of conjunctivitis. So, 16% of people who are COVID positive have a conjunctivitis uh, uh, concurrently. Um, uh, but that doesn't mean that if you get a conjunctivitis, you have COVID. So, you know, typically, the it must be combined with those classic. Uh, symptoms of malaise, fever, and uh, a dry cough. But, mm. uh, you know, that's quite topical at the moment. But most commonly, conjunctivitis is, is caused by something called an adenovirus, which is, uh, you know, your typical viral conjunctivitis or pink eye that we get uh, typically from children. And, um, you know, as they go to, to nursery school and so on, um, so that's normally short-lived. And then allergic conjunctivitis, you might have touched a surface or a cat or something like that. So that's the red part of the eye. And uh, then longer term, the yellowing and brown brown discoloration of the surface of the eye is pigmentation, which is secondary to long-term allergy. So if the allergy is not controlled, um, so like I said, taking a long-term antihistamine is, is always a good idea um, if you have allergic conjunctivitis because that inflammation, which is swelling over a period of time, heals with pigmentation. So the pigment molecules come in and they sit in the conjunctiva and then the person's white of their eye starts to have a brown discoloration. Sure. And sadly, we can't reverse that. There's nothing you can so, do, huh? um no, can't do anything. So it's it's better to prevent it. And then on top of that, uh, if the surface of the eye is inflamed and the sun burns the, the exposed part of the eye, that uh, it's it's far more damaging. So so again, sunglasses when we're outside is right. uh, very important for everyone. It's not just to look cool; they actually do they do a job. Um, the, we exactly. don't have time. We don't have time for all these questions because there are a lot of really interesting questions here. Um, Carl says he had his um, tear ducts tear ducts plugged. Um, Carla says he had his retina torn in two places. But here's a good one uh, oh. from Sharon. Sharon says I have an eye that waters all the time. <laughs> what is that all about? So, so that's a, a relatively common problem that presents to us and we we need to work out is it a too much production of tears so is there something that's causing the tear production to increase or is it a, a reduction in outflow of the tears so you have two little things which we call puncta mm-hmm. and they're little tubes that drain the tears into your nose and then the, the tears would go down your throat. So that's mm-hmm. why you don't have tears running down your, your cheek all day long. Right. So sometimes those are blocked. And uh, it, the previous uh, uh, question was, well, I had my tear ducts blocked. So mm-hmm. in a case where there's not enough tear production, we will artificially block the the punctum to increase the, the, the remaining amount of tear. And equally, if if those are blocked and it's causing what we call epiphora, which is tears running down the cheek, then we unblock them. So it's a bit like a, a tap with a drain and 
you know the the balance of flow of, of the water so we we just have to kind of get the the input and output balanced and then of, of course you could you could also oh. stop watching sad movies Sharon and that might help as well so yeah, <laughs> that's part of it all right listen I mean doc I really could talk to you all day about this stuff I find it fascinating and thank you so much for sparing some time for us today um you obviously can can you know you can help many many people and you do every day and I'm sure that you are jam-packed with appointments again now that you're allowed to have everything you know including emergencies thrown into the schedule you said you spend two days a week in the surgery do you do you also sell products like these um these glasses that you can wear for two hours before you go to sleep to help you with sleep do you do you know where we can get these things just give us some general info to to round it off yes the uh the the glasses you can get at sleep spec mm-hmm .co.za uh, uh, or .com is easier, and you just order them on the internet, and they'll okay. deliver them. So, um, and then we at uh, the Santon Eye Clinic, which is in the foyer of the Morningside Medi Clinic. But mm-hmm. the easiest is just to go to SantonEyeClinic.co.za, and all our contact details are there, and uh, we'll have people that will guide you as to what would be appropriate for you. This Thank has you. been eye-opening. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> I know many people We're going we're gonna to let you go before this gets really ugly. So there's uh, Dr. Rob Daniel. Thank you so much for talking to us. And uh, Sia Sangweni, who's cracking the worst jokes ever known to mankind. All right, everybody. We will see you tomorrow at 6 o'clock. We'll see. Did you hear that, Sia? We'll see you tomorrow. Excellent. You got it. Oh, Karen, that's an eye yeah. for an eye this morning. See ya. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you. Thanks, Doc. Okay. Thank you. Right. Bye. Cliffcentral.com.